Hello and welcome to the Nature Unplugged podcast, where we are all about cultivating consciousness in the digital age. Let's get going. Welcome to the Nature Unplugged podcast with me, your host, Sebastian Sloven. Super excited for the show today. I have a very special guest, James Thompson, all the way from Ontario, Canada. Is that the state you're in, the province? Yes, it is, Ontario. Well, welcome to the show, James. (laughs) Thank you very much, Sebastian. Well, uh, it's great to have you. I'm excited to jump into it. And before we do so, though, I just want to I want to read your bio to give folks a kind of more of a background on you and your your path. Um, Yeah, yeah, let's do it. So James Thompson is the author of Create Your Own Path, and he currently lives and works around Algonquin Park in Ontario. He believes in the transformational power of nature for clarifying your purpose and bringing you peace about the future. And uh, I'm going to. I will I will include a link to your book in the show notes for okay, everyone great. to uh, <laughs> to check out. Yeah, James, it's great to have you. I want to start with just kind of maybe getting a little more background. Could you just share a little bit about like um, you know where you grew up and and, and your background background uh, your childhood? Sure. So I was born in a small town in Ontario called Chatham. It's, it's very much an agricultural farmer's town. But the highlights of my childhood often involved going up north to the woods. Uh, the provincial parks in my province are Algonquin Park. There's one nearby called Rondeau. Okay. And every summer between uh, semesters of school in public school and uh, secondary school, my parents would take us there. And it's it became almost uh, a ritual. And it became almost the highlight of my year to be able to go camping and to play in the woods, go canoeing. I loved role-playing with my siblings. Yeah. Um, And those experiences as a child, I didn't realize until recently just how lucky I am to have had parents that did that, that took us camping so often. And uh, being outdoors in the forest sort of became the height of my childhood in many ways. That's awesome. That's awesome. and and were your I, I assume this is true, but were your parents quite outdoorsy and they 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 that they had kind of had a long connection with nature themselves and that was a big part of your childhood. Is that right? Well, you know, it's funny you say that. In fact, my besides those times, our family was very inside people. Okay. You know, we would we would be on the computer a lot. Uh, we would, you know, my my father he did have a lot of nature in his childhood but as he grew older he sort of separated himself from that and my mom was never really a camping type so that's what made the retreat into the wilderness so much of a special thing for us it's like such a separation from our day-to-day life right yeah yeah so full kind of full, yeah full escape and retreat experience absolutely yeah that's awesome. And did you, was there like any, I know you talked about some of the provincial parks and stuff. Did, was there any kind of one place that was like your absolute favorite and, and what activity did you love to do there? 
Well, I suppose that Algonquin Park, uh, and it's a reason I'm here now, is the place that sort of called to me. And there was this sense uh, in, in our family, it was almost like when you said Algonquin Park, there was some magical mystery about it. It's like, oh, Algonquin Park. <laughs> it was from where I was born. It's about seven or eight hours up north. So okay. going there was quite a process of changing scenery and changing, um, changing yourself, sort of. You had to take a whole day to get there. So it, for that, just because of the distance and the change of, uh, of setting, it held the most uh, special place in my heart, I would Got say, it. yeah. And that's where you're you're at now, and and so, I I know um, you've had a, a kind of a wide variety of experience, work experiences, right? He he just <laughs> I, and, and I want to yes. I want to get into the get into the book and and what inspired you to write the book. Can you just share kind of like a little bit about your you have a unique background, kind of a, a man a jack of all trades, so to speak. Well, yeah, I. For being 23 years old, I feel like I have done a lot of things. Um, my resume is kind of wacky. There's a lot of different stuff on there. Uh, I've been I've worked for Canada's biggest men's fashion retailer doing e-commerce for a couple months. Uh, I was I was doing land surveying. I was helping uh, them build the bridge between Detroit and Windsor. Uh, uh, I've been doing uh, I was a camp counselor and I'm training now to be sort of a canoe guide and retreat facilitator okay uh, there, there's almost there's a lot of other things but they're just <laughs> escaping me right now because yeah, that's okay the list is the list is long I started uh, in my schooling I went to do civil engineering okay and then I switched to advertising and then I switched to outdoor recreation where I am now and just those three things are pretty different i would say right right and and uh so speaking of your book right create your own path uh it's really about I, it, yeah it's really about kind of right you being or the individual being uh having the power to get in touch with what they want and what really motivates them what drives them it's an awesome book there's some really really great activities and and prompts in there um and so it, can you just share a little bit about what, what inspired you to, to write this book? So the, the flip side to what I was just saying about me doing all these different things, the sort of darker side of it is it, it came from a place of extreme restlessness. Okay. I was very uneasy about what to do in life. I've, I placed a great importance on the question of what will my career be? What's my purpose? I know most people in their teenage and young adult years care about this, but I felt like I was bringing it to a, a much uh, worse level for myself. Right. I would think about it in the morning. I would think about it at night. And from about the middle of, of high school, I would every day come to my parents and I would say, I would have a different idea for them. Like, oh, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do this. And I can't yeah, yeah. believe that they had the patience to deal with that. <laughs> because if my child did that, I would rip my hair out, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, start, that, that had been going on for since kind of middle of high school? Or had that been going yeah. on? Okay, Abs- even, even to this day, you know, 
despite having written the book, it's still something I have to uh, re continuously return to the book, what I've talked about in the past, to journals, to meditation, just to center myself and get away from that. I, I'm not sure why I've been cursed slash blessed, as I'll talk about later, mm. with that desire to you know figure out and really have a plan for what to do. But it's it's been the defining thing about my life so far, I would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and and I love how you use it to use your challenges and trials to help others who may be in the same a similar path. And I know that there's a lot of people, especially right now, dealing with a lot of uncertainty around the job market, you know, globally, and a lot of people probably second guessing or really trying to figure out, you know, what they want to do and you know, will that provide uh, livelihood? So I really think it's it's an awesome path you're on, and I you know we were chatting about this a little bit before, but you 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 had mentioned an experience uh, you had in nature that really kind of really helped reshape things or like clarify your 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 path and getting in touch with this book. Can you share a little bit about that your your nature experience? Sure, sure. So to set the stage, part of my restlessness. Uh, revolving around career included this desire to travel. So I, I love to travel and go all over the place uh, in between school. And last year at the beginning of the year, for about five months, I was on the road and I, I was traveling in Eastern Europe and parts of Northern Africa and all these different locations. At the end of that trip, I had one month with my girlfriend to travel and we went to Rome and during my time in Rome in the most beautiful place on earth I was feeling the peak of my sort of restless energy yeah I couldn't focus on the ancient wonders and I I was um, kind of like there's so much tension in me, despite being in such a beautiful place. It's like the dream of so many and myself to be traveling and living that kind of life. Right. But I couldn't focus on it. It's like, like I said earlier, I'd wake up in the morning feeling the anxiety and angst. What do I, what should I do? Yeah. When this trip is over. What am I going to do in the fall? What am I going to do with my life? And it would go through breakfast and lunch and dinner and then I go to bed and did I even enjoy this trip <laughs> because <laughs> yeah I was so distracted by this problem right uh, and again thankful for the patience of others in my life my girlfriend got we got through it but here's the the thing I had arranged about two months earlier to return to Algonquin Park after five months of travel and I was lucky enough to apply for only one job as a driver for the for a summer camp okay. and only one application i got the interview within 24 hours and i got the job within 40 hours or so dang so for me that felt like okay that's that's impressive i know in the past people yeah. you know, apply for 100 jobs and they don't get anything so there felt uh, there was a bit of significance to that right Fast forward to the trip coming back. I'm experiencing this anxiety, as I was telling you. The 
very day that I got to the summer camp, I got there and I was sort of early. I was about five hours early and the other people at the camp hadn't arrived. And the camp director told me, well, settle in, walk around, you know, embrace the space yeah. and come back in five hours. So still with the heaviness of, of my decision of what to do, what to do, what to do on my heart. I, I was walking around this place and within a few hours, as I walked the trails and I sat on the lake, on the bridge uh, between two islands, it was like I had this unimaginable calm come over my body just by being in the lake. And there was not really, not much human, you know, uh, signs of humanity around. There weren't right. too many buildings or anything. It was just the lake and trees. Yeah. And at that moment, I felt such a, a profound sense of, of calm about what it is that I wanted to do in life. I, I still didn't know, but it's almost as if nature was patting me on the back and saying, it's okay. You don't need to know, relax, yeah. be part of nature with, you know, you're a part of nature too. Um, and just the cycles of nature and watching the waves hitting the shore. And it reminded me of one of my favorite books, uh, Siddhartha. Oh yeah. Believe by Herman Hess. Yeah. Have you read it? I've read it. Yeah, it's great. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, I love it too. And he, there's this moment when he's looking at the river. Right. And he's seeing that the river is always changing, yet it's always the same. It's like that point in the river, there's constant flow. And I thought it, the lake reminded me of that. And I don't know. So that, that kind of transformational moment, it's basically what I've based my life on since. It's like the yeah. five months of travel, five months of living the dream in the world, doing all sorts of things, couldn't satisfy my level to need to know. Right. But being in nature, I felt that the calming wave, the calming energy, and I can't describe why. It was just like the power of, of the trees and the, and the water and the wind. Right. <laughs> that's, so am- yeah, that's amazing that's amazing that, and, and so was was that kind of the inception or the the kind of starting point of this book coming into uh coming into being so to speak was or had you been thinking about it before yes. that oh, it was okay no i had i had no intention to write a book i had already written a book before uh, about radio advertising Okay. I'd gone through that experience and I wasn't that interested in publishing again, really. Yeah. But because of this moment and it, it kept ringing in my mind this moment for a few weeks. And I had this journal full of exercises that I was using to try and figure out what to do. Right. Um, many were taken from other sources, but many were also just ideas that I came up with. Uh, and this journal was sort of my my method of working on myself. And I thought, I need to revisit this journal with the mindset of nature and retreat yeah. and put it in that lens, that right. frame for myself. And if I'm going to do that work, I might as well 
create it into a book and share it with people. Right. So from, from that point, I, I wasn't resistant to the task of writing a book, but I wasn't too excited about it. Yeah. But I thought, well, I'm going to do this work anyway, so I'm going to put it into a book. And I just worked on it for hours every single day. Um, and I published it around Christmas time last year. So it was about a seven month project. Dang, that's, yeah, that's, it's really, that's really incredible. And it's so, I love that story because uh, it's so interesting, right? I've been, I've been, and we, uh, at Nature Employed, have been talking, talking about, you know, the benefits of nature for a long time. And um, there's just, but I've had so many experiences, kind of like what you're talking about, these sort of major shifts in perspective and you can't, like, I think people are getting closer to figuring out exactly why that is, but there's something that is just, it's just sort of, you can't really put words to it, but it's an experiential thing. And, and, uh, there's an energy there. Right. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think like the research around, you know, there's, there's all sorts of, all sorts of stuff going on, of course, uh, with like the, you know, the scents from the trees and the, you know, and the water and everything like that. There's just so much such a different way of engaging our senses, but it's just interesting how, yeah, we don't really quite have the, the language or the research to say exactly, hey, it's magic basically. But it's, so I, I thought you, I thought you spoke to it very well. And I think it's such a cool, um, a cool way for this, for this book to come into being. And could you just share a little bit about, I want to kind of jump into the book a little bit more sure. for it. Um, I, you know, we kind of alluded to this already, but in, in your own words, you know, what, um, you know, what's this, what was your intention with the book? Your, your kind of why behind uh, Create Your Own Path? So to summarize quickly, it's, yeah. it's a collection of exercises used to kind of travel inwards within yourself to pull out what it is that you care about to gain some focus about where you might want to go next. And the full title of the book is Create Your Own Path, Discover What Is Next in Your Career or Business. And the what is yeah. next is very important because it's not about creating a grand scheme of what you're going to do in 50 years or right. what kind of empire you want to build. It's simply about if you're feeling... So it's especially relevant right now when people are so... There's some chaos and people don't know what they're going to do next. Maybe they've lost their job. Just the clarity of knowing, well, what do I care about? And what might I want to do this week or next month? Right. And if you can answer that question on a monthly basis, then you can create your own path. You create your own career. It doesn't need to be planned ahead of time. And I don't think that works anyways. I think that's the cause of so much of my anxiety was trying to control the future. Right. Yeah, I think that's a great point, right? Instead because of yeah, go ahead. asking. Yeah. Yeah. What's, I was just what's gonna next? say instead of simply asking what what is it that I want, yeah, what should I do today? What right. would engage me in the next 15 minutes? Right. <laughs> For sure. For sure. So the so the book is basically a tool to help people do that. And it's what I've used to help myself. And many, I, I've purposely designed it with many different activities because I know some will appeal to some. And, you know, I, like I said to you earlier, I encourage people, they no need to read the whole book, 
because it's sort of like a toolkit to to pull from. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. There's some there's some really great stuff in there, and and uh, yeah, there's a, yeah, I'll, there's so many cool prompts, and I think you you right you spoke to this, but I think you also uh, did this in a way where you can connect with with people in a variety of ways. Uh, and I wanted just to kind of zoom in on a couple little sections that I was really drawn to. And, um, you know, chapter, in chapter 11, you talk about, um, you talk about death and dying and using that as a way to, I think, get more clarity on what you want in your life. And I really was, that connects with me in, in a lot of different ways. And it's been a really powerful kind of facing my own mortality has been, um, and that of others has been really powerful for me. And so, yeah, I wanted to, if you could expand on that, that would be great. And, and, and then also were there, was there any particular um, motivator for, for including that chapter? Or was that just something you had been in touch with? Well, I think that the reason I put it in is because it is important to me very much. And I think that there's a lot of resistance to, to thinking and talking about death and the the role that death plays in life it's an important part of life right and uh i think many people get this it's it's sort of common sense that there's something important about death but it's not something that people like to embrace or confront especially their own death right it's a scary thought what's on the other side you don't know so i i included this chapter just to sort of give some perspective or looking at your life now through the lens of your death. Um, I was motivated by this author called Bronnie War or Bronnie Ware. I, I hope I'm not mispronouncing it, but she wrote this, this memoir called uh, the top five regrets of dying. And if you don't mind, I'd like to share them. Yeah. The yeah, for sure. I, I've, I've, yeah, I read that. I thought this part was really interesting and I, ha I haven't read the book, but I've heard about it. So yeah, go ahead. This is this okay. is great. so number one is I wish I'd had the courage to live a life truer to myself, not the life others expected of me. Mm. Number two, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Number three, I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. Number four, I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. And number five, I wish that I'd let myself be happier. Mm. And I think that this is such a powerful list. And every time I read it, I'm not always sure that I could be completely free of these regrets. Right, right. It's So at one point in my life, I actually put these five things in my bedroom as something that I had to keep looking at because repeatedly I violated one or two of them. Right. And I thought, I don't want to carry these regrets into my death or my deathbed. Yeah. And I thought, so a, a big part of this chapter is sort of thinking about what kind of legacy you want to leave right now, what sort of role you wish your life to have, uh, and crafting your own list of things that you would regret if you didn't pursue. Right. And it's not necessarily about goals like, I would regret not having this many children or not having a business, but it's, it's ways of living more so, or right. tendencies. Anyways, I'm glad you found that that chapter to be uh, important for you because I also felt like it's a 
an, a special chapter, even though it might not seem to fit with the rest of the book so neatly. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I thought it, I thought it like it really, I thought it went really well with it in terms of just adding a different dynamic and a different depth that I think yeah. particularly, you know, this is, I've talked about this a bit on in previous podcasts, but I have a, I have a, a friend who's a physician, his name's Dr. Kalina, and he does a lot of work with it, a lot of hospice work. Right. And okay. um, so he's sort of like the, the author, right. She was, was the, the lady who was she, a, she was a nurse, like a. Hospice. Yeah. I, I forgot to mention that. I think, but she was, yeah, she was a hospice nurse. Hospice so nurse. Right. For, she cared for people on their last moments of death. That's what right. qualified her to write. Yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot to mention that part. No, no, yeah. She's just hanging out with people who are yeah. about to get <laughs> But this guy, this guy, Dr. Kalina, has kind of a similar similar experiences. And it's something we talk about a lot when we get together. He's one of my close friends. And but he has this opportunity to to have these really kind of profound conversations with people. Uh, yeah. right before they go. And it's really, it's an, it's amazing, you know, and it's some, sometimes it's about regrets, but you know, a lot of times it's also about like, they're just, you know, most cherished memories or connections. And, you know, as you can imagine, it's like, they're not thinking of like, oh, I should, yeah, I should have worked harder. I should have made more money. It's, it's, yeah. um, it's about connections and like, and, and a lot of little things. Right. So, and this is something that I think it's so interesting for you too, because right. You're, you're quite young, you know, we're both, both on the younger yeah. side. And it's, I think, so important for young people to be looking at and considering this stuff. Not, I think it's, it's more common for like, you know, people in their later years to be considering, uh, you know, end of life stuff. But I think it's, it's such a powerful thing right. for people to do it at any age. So I really, really think it's great that you included that. Well, there's, there's definitely a temptation to push it off in your mind because, you know, if you think the lifespan's 80, oh, I'll probably live longer than average. I'll probably be a hundred. You know, for me, that's almost 70, 80 years away, you know? Right. So I'm like, no, it's not important to think about. Yeah, yeah. But I wanted to share also with you that in my research for this section, I found out that it's a actually a well-documented phenomenon that people will almost always change their career path after a brush with death. Oh, yeah. I remember reading that in your book. I, yeah, I, that, that, that was super fascinating. I found that out. Yeah, very strange. And I thought... Well, it must be because death clarifies and, and most people are not on a path that would be free of regret. So when they have that experience, it's such a rude awakening. Like, oh, I need to live differently because the pain of that regret was so deep. Um, and in fact, as, uh, although it's grim, I recommend in the, somewhere in the book to actually do some death meditation. Yeah. Can you say and, more? And this was, yeah, say more about yeah, that. Yeah, what is that? Th this is from, I'm ashamed to say, I don't know the origins of death meditation, except the fact that it's uh, it's in many meditation practices, especially for Buddhists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To lay down and actually see and envision yourself as sick and dying. And to go through the emotional states of seeing your flesh rotting away feeling yourself crumbling and losing strength. And I know that this sounds terrible and that why would you want to imagine this for yourself? But I've tried it and I've, I've known other people to try it. And it's, it's incredibly liberating to imagine this and sort of go through the state and, and release yourself from that um, 
fear or resistance to the idea. Right. So, yeah, I, I, I thought uh, I'd share it. I encourage if you're interested uh, in looking into this, that you do some more research. Don't just do it, as I said, because I know there's more to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but I think even just the, yeah, I think you ex- explained it very well. And, and I, I think just, it's right, it's not about just, I think it is a really powerful practice. And it, I think it, you know, there's certainly elements in Buddhism and lots of other, you know, kind of more just like like longer standing traditions have some sort of element of this. Um, yeah. And I, but I think it's, it's, it's largely missing from, you know, the Western world and our, our kind of society, you know, talking about North yeah. America in general. So it's a yeah. powerful thing. Yeah. That's really, really cool. Yeah. So interesting too, about, about people changing career paths with uh, a near death experience. Yeah. <laughs> Very. And, and um, another piece, you know, uh, that is, I guess it's sort of in line with this is you have a, a section on, Kind of, I don't know if it would be considered minimalism, but a better life with less. And talking about a hedonic adaptation, do you mind kind of sharing a little bit about about that? Absolutely. This is something that's quite central to the way I try and live. Um, it, it originated from a couple books that I read when I was younger. One was Early Retirement Extreme, uh, and okay. another was uh, Frugal Luxuries. Okay. And not necessarily because I want to retire early, but the book presented this idea of uh, diminishing marginal utility. Basically, right. what that means is if I give you, so what's your favorite food, Sebastian? Oh, man. Let's go, ta- <laughs> let's just say tacos, fish tacos. Ta- oh, fish tacos. Okay. So if I, if you were starving, California. I gave you one, yeah. Yeah, one fish taco. You would be happy, right? If I yeah, gave you be super happy. another, <laughs> if I give you another, you would be a little less happy because you right. already had one. Yeah. If I gave you three, it's a little less. So it's diminishing utility. If I gave you 20 or 50 and I asked you to eat them all in one sitting, you would probably by the end be throwing up. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> be no good. And if you stretch this concept to apply it to your entire life, it stands to reason that more is not better. Right. Because by its very nature, the more you get of a stimuli or an experience, the less satisfying that will be. So I made the case in the book that it might act, you might derive more pleasure, in fact, from being intentionally frugal. Right. or intentionally limiting how much money you make because maybe you have the option to make more, but you choose not to. Uh, and, and I've found that this is profound for my life because one plant, one potted plant on my desk is better than 10. One computer that's really simple, I can get used to it and I appreciate just the things it does. Right. I don't need the fanciest, newest computer because the more software, the more experiences that I have in my life, the more stimuli, the less satisfying it will be ultimately. So I thought this was a liberating idea. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, if, if, yeah, go ahead. If you need less, um, it, it frees you up to do a lot more flexible, creative things because it, there's not the immediate need to make a ton of, of cash 
you can do things that are less uh, lucrative. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, you can apply it in so many ways. I often think about like having um, <laughs> my partner, Sonia and I have recently over the course of the last year, you, if you're familiar with like Mari Kondo, do you know that, that lady? She's like oh, a yeah. Japanese yes, clean, yes. cleaning magician. Yes. Uh, but yeah, it's a similar, similar concept, right? Like having, you know, 20 t-shirts uh, that are all sort of average. You just don't really, or, you know, whatever, you, you just don't really take them that seriously. And getting just down to your like favorite few and uh, you know, just really, yeah, yeah. whatever it is, t-shirts having like one jacket versus like five jackets or whatever here. We don't need a lot of jackets, you know, it's different than Canada, but it, um, <laughs> yeah, I just, I feel like too, if I have multiple things, I treat, I treat them less. I'm, I'm, you know, less intentional with them. I end up losing stuff. Yeah. Not treating well, them. And the, I, I think the concept can be extended also to experiences Right. Um, like if you go out for one, uh, say fast food, say you have a, a fast food, uh, your favorite fast food place is Chipotle. If you go only once a year, it's such a special experience. Right. You know, if you're going every week, not so much. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very true. I love it. I love it. And there's, so I just want to, you know, I just want to say there's lots, lots and lots of activities. So it's, and, and those we just kind of like zoomed in on, on a few, a few spots, but I think you do a really great job of providing people, you know, a lot, a lot of different ways to connect with their passion, their purpose, their values. And uh, yeah, great job putting it together. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I tried. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I could tell, I could tell. Um, so I would love to kind of, wrap things up with uh if you have like maybe some sort of challenge or like a, a, an activity it can be activity from the book or one of your favorite activities that our listeners listeners can put into practice uh around creating their own path or around you know whatever whatever activity is really uh you're connected with right now uh yeah i i now i have two okay yeah let's do I it let's do two. Uh, oh yeah one is introspective okay. and sort of you know, inside in your bed or in a chair. The other is active. Okay, let's do it. So I'll start with the introspective one. Okay. And this is possibly my favorite exercise from the book. So it revolves around sitting down and having some, a bit of meditation, a bit of breathing time, and then grabbing a, a notepad and just jotting down some of your favorite memories from the past, mm. especially your childhood. What's the first memory that you ever had? What, what's something that you cherish? And just collecting these, uh, it might take about 20 or 30 minutes. Try and collect maybe 20 or 30 memories. Try and make them positive memories. The point is positive, not whatever memory so yeah. look for positive not neutral or, or negative got it so record these memories and if you want if you're a really analytical person like me sometimes you might want to categorize each one by the year um that you were you know the, the best guess you have for how old you were when you had that memory got it um and then the second part and the part where you kind of extract the gold from these memories is you start to look at the overarching themes of the memory. So say, I know that you uh, 
did a lot of surfing as as a younger person. Well, even now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of surfing. Say you have this peak surfing memory where everything was perfect. You can pick out themes from it. So surfing, there's water, there's the beach, there's uh, outdoor activity, there's the feelings that you had at the time, the memories you have of that time, the smells even. Right. And just try and categorize all of your memories like this. And then the final stage is to take those themes that you wrote and start just tallying them up. So you'll have, for me, for example, I have nature as my biggest theme. It okay. appeared the most in my life in all yeah. my memories. Yeah. I think like 13 times. Wow. <laughs> so yeah. That's my number one theme. Got it. My second theme was giving other people experiences. And I believe the, the third theme was retreat. Um, okay. And there were many others, but you rank them from one to three. And you just look at that, that theme list. And you can ask yourself sort of an analytical question about now. Are my themes being lived out right now? Yeah. So if, if I have nature, I have retreat, I have giving people experiences, yet I am an auto mechanic in the middle of the city, I'm not living any of my themes. Right. Then, yeah. I, then it gives me a little bit of a, a direction or a boost as to where I might find more satisfaction, where I might be able to create better memories for my life. Right. So I've, I've found this, it's kind of a simple exercise. I found it incredibly useful. Yeah. And, and it's, I was showed it. Yeah. yeah. No, go on. <laughs> no, no, I was saying it's interesting too, because you're right now, right? You're, you're at a, you're at a nature retreat space yes. working, working. So all your, <laughs> your themes are alive and well in your life, which is, I think it's super, it's super great. Right. Because I think it's, um, it's not only a way to get in touch with these kind of like foundational uh, passions, but uh, a way to, to really check and see, you know, are they being lived out? Are they being put into practice? Yeah. Well, Which a lot of awesome. people don't, the question I hear from people is what should I do with my life? Because I don't even know what I care about. It's like, I don't even know what I like to do. Right. And uh, as ridiculous as that seems to not know what you like or what you enjoy uh, I've had it. I know a lot of people have had it. And I think this exercise can help you. I love it. I love it. Okay. And th so that's the more introspective one, right? And then what's the, uh, talk to me about the um, actionable one. Or okay. So the actionable one, I've been finding a new love of gardening lately. Okay. So I've, I've been at the retreat center that I'm working at right now, Northern Edge Algonquin. Uh, and I just laid a lavender garden at the retreat center. Nice. So I transformed this wild, bushy mess into this nice lavender garden. And at first, I was very resistant to gardening uh, since I got here. I was kind of stomping around. I was very moody. I was like, gardening? I don't, that's not what I want to do. I came here for a different reason. Right. I came here to do retreats or whatever. But then I had this great thought, or not a great thought, a great conversation with one of the owners of the retreat center. Um, and it shifted my perspective 180. That the act of gardening is not really 
about making a, a beautiful space or about even any of the reasons people do it, like getting flowers or getting vegetables. But she introduced this idea that the act of gardening is about tending yourself, weeding yourself, planting mm. seeds in yourself. Interesting, yeah. And just the repetitive motions of, of using the tools in the dirt and pulling plants out of the ground, it's the perfect place for meditation and, and sort of growing yourself. And I was encouraged when I'm gardening to have a question in mind, what am I planting right now? And you just keep asking the question, what am I planting right now? What am I, what am I planting? What am I tending in my life? And it's not really about, oh, I'm planting lavender. It's, it's a question you're asking yourself over and over. What am I tending? And it's interesting the insights that can come out of that. So that's my suggestion. It doesn't have to be about gardening. I think gardening is uniquely qualified for this kind of meditation. But uh, if you have it in you in the next week to get out into the garden and plant something or mow the lawn or trim some trees, you should do it, especially if you have resistance to it, <laughs> especially yeah. if you don't want to go. Right. I love that. I love that. Yeah. What are you planting right now? That's great. Yeah. And I think I could see that being, you know, you could, it's a great question for specifically for gardening, but also, um, yeah, yeah, you could, you could use that with other stuff too. You know, any sort of, it sounds like it could go well with any sort of self-care practice or, yeah. or meditation. Yeah, absolutely. It's something I just figured out and gardening, I think it's becoming a slow passion of mine now. So. Yeah. <laughs> Very <That's>... excited. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Awesome, James. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. Um, again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a link to your book, which is Create Your Own Path, uh, in our show notes, and there'll be links, links there. But yeah, man, I hope everything goes well. I know things are uncertain up at the, um, at the retreat center, but uh, I hope all goes well for you up there. And I look forward to you know, staying in touch and and hearing how that lavender garden uh, turns out. <laughs> Thank you very much, Sebastian. It was an absolute pleasure to speak with you. Awesome. Thank you, James. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Nature Unplugged podcast. We really appreciate you tuning in. You can find our episodes on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, basically anywhere you, can, you uh, would like to get a podcast, it will be there. Uh, we would love it if you could take a moment to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. That helps us a ton. And be sure and check out www.natureunplugged.com for more information and resources. Again, our show notes will be um, there on the website. Well, thanks so much, and we will catch you next time. Change like seasons out of our control If you think you should go I will let you